Hello and welcome to The Birdhouse. This is your host, Riley Bloomer, and we are back this week with Sarah um, for part two about understanding empathy and its place. So yeah, let's just jump right into it. I mean, social media, in a lot of ways, and we were talking about this on the last um, episode too, that wide coverage of empathy. The black and white going like growing up and becoming more conservative or seeing things in more black and white yeah comes from having scary experiences and not processing them yeah and not i mean everybody should be in therapy right everyone yeah go to therapy Um, but like i say as i'm not in therapy (laughs) (laughs) that fear just builds up and builds up and builds up and then you lose the ability to see the in-between yeah. Because your biological instincts are kicking in. Mm-hmm. That mean fight or flight, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, absolutely. And as a young person, a lot of times you might have a different view because you haven't had that fear build up yet. Yeah. In a lot of ways, but at the, I mean, but with like widespread social media, I think we're becoming more aware of other people's experiences in a way that, I mean, when I open TikTok, I don't think about them, you know, I'm not going into a room full of conservatives, but if there's some conservative views on my TikTok, I'm going to watch it and listen and then be like, hmm, okay. You know, and I don't go in closed minded. And I think that's one of the reasons why social media is good Yeah, because we open it expecting to be entertained. And then if you're educated, you go in with an open mind. Right. The same way that I think like theater and television and movies can be really influential in a positive way because you go in open-minded and excited yeah and then you leave with you know the seed of thought in your head you know (laughs) but like but yeah yeah. I mean it is I hear a lot of whatever I hear like whether it's something that aligns with what I believe or whether it's totally the opposite like I always want more information like I always want to do my own digging and research and like there is an inability to think think critically or like you don't necessarily want your beliefs to be challenged because yeah. they suit you right and like we're all a little racist like yeah, i mean we're all you know like, i mean there's there's constant prejudices going on yeah and again like being able to talk about those i have i mean like men that's a big one <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but like i have prejudices that i know of yeah that are in my head and I have to actively fight against those, right. but they come from fear. They come from right. having a bad experience and my brain picking out something specific about right. that person. Um, and then when I see somebody who looks like them again, having to don't be racist, you know, yeah. or whatever it is. And and that's hard, yeah. and hard to admit. And, you know, I don't want anybody to think that I'm racist because I'm not, but I yeah, think the, the the thought process of having to constantly teach yourself and grow. Yeah, well, and I think that that yes, that again, that self awareness of I'm not a bad person because I have these thoughts, exactly. and it's actually good that I'm aware of these thoughts because then I can be more intentional in my reaction or my behavior. Yeah. And I want to work to combat those thoughts, but it's, I mean, again, it's like an example of like this systemic process that we have, or the beliefs that our parents have, or what society has told us and trained us, you know, mm-hmm. all the time. Like, I hate, hate, hate when they're like, these are girls' toys and these are boys' yeah. toys. And, like, we will obviously gender our child at birth based on what their uh, sexual DNA is right. or, like, I don't know the right term or whatever. 
But like biology, biology, yeah, what their biological sex is. But like, I wouldn't have a problem if like my daughter wanted trucks or my son wanted to wear a tutu. Mm-hmm. But that is different, and that is gray, yeah, because of what society has taught us for a long time. And I think there's a lot of people that don't even want to hear gender and sex are the same thing, and sex is scientific gender is a social construct Mm -hmm. but I think there's a lot of people that don't even want to hear that and so like I think there's these younger generations are more open-minded yeah we're more willing to say like okay I see that and that makes sense or I see that and this doesn't impact me negatively in any way and everybody should have access to the same thing I do as a cis straight white woman exactly and so like and being I'm on board with this the exposure of diversity Mm -hmm. that comes from the internet Mm -hmm. that it's just like like Gen Z is and a little bit of millennials I guess too are starting to to just kind of be like cool I don't care you know because like what does it have to do with me yeah and I think I still have work to do mm-hmm. well thank god I that would just, suck if you didn't i know, you know right? like <laughs> but i do like i'm sitting here being like well these old people don't do yeah. this but we all have work to do and life experience makes you better at your job it makes you understand people better and i think i have maybe like a leg up in a way because i have all this training that i have and the field i chose to go into i can't wait until you're my age and you're looking back on where you are now i mean i do that like, I feel like I'm a completely different person than I was six months ago. But also, yeah. there's been a lot of high concentration of things happening in the past, like, six right. months that have totally shifted my view of the world yeah. and who I am. Yeah. And, like, getting on Zola. <laughs> I've cut my drinking down about 90%. Right. Those two things. And also, leaving a long relationship. Yeah. You know, my first long-term relationship. Yeah. All those things combined was, like holy fucking shit and I felt like a person for the first time yeah. who was had confidence and like understanding and ease and a big part of that was not being just vibrating with anxiety yeah. all the time yeah. but like enjoying my alone time crazy yeah what's one thing you wish you could tell your 20 year old self everything is going to work out yeah I think I was so afraid that I was never going to find my person. I wasn't going to get married. Mm-hmm. I was never going to have the life I wanted on a social worker salary. Yeah. I think I would tell myself not to be so hard on yourself. Um, if you ask my husband, I still am very hard on myself. But it's definitely not what it was when I was 22. Yeah. So I think that like you will get better. Just overall. Mm-hmm. And you, you will be more sure of yourself one day. I did a lot of things at 22 in my personal life that I didn't want to because I felt like I couldn't say no. Mm -hmm. Like, even if it was as simple as, like, I didn't feel like going out or, like, I didn't want to go into D.C. to go out. Mm -hmm. And I would have FOMO. I still have, like, a little FOMO, but, like, definitely not as much as I did. I, and that was a big part of the last few months for me. Yeah. And anxiety, it wasn't FOMO. It was just anxiety. I thought that, like... There are so many things that I'm realizing now that I thought were something else, but were just bad anxiety, Mm -hmm. you know, and it coming out in weird, different ways. Yeah. Being able to say no now. Oh, I love saying no. And even with like little stuff, I mean, but I also love saying yes. Like I need to say yes more and more and more. Yeah. But saying no is my favorite 
thing yeah. ever. Yeah. Yeah. And just it's good shit. <laughs> if I don't want to do something, not doing it. Yeah. I would also tell myself, like, you are good at your job now. And you will get better at your job and you yeah. will feel more, more self-assured in your job. I have to remind myself a lot, like, even if things don't work out the way that I want them to or the easiest way that they could work out mm-hmm. that would benefit me the most, I will still be okay. Yeah. You know, like, if I, you know, these are just the anxieties that I had. If I got evicted. Yeah. It would suck. But I'd be okay. Yeah. Like, and thankfully, I have a ton of privilege where I could go, you know, fucking live with you for a month if I wanted. Or live with any of the other family that lives close by. Or worst case, I would just go live with my family back in Radford. Yeah. And, And like, it would suck, but life goes up and down. Yeah. And I would still find joy every day, and I would be fine. Right. And I'm that gonna, I'm not going to explode. Yeah, <laughs> and that ability to tell ourselves it's going to be fine, or for me to look back and say like everything is going to be okay, mm-hmm. like yes, I'm here now and everything is okay. We're speaking from a place of privilege mm-hmm. because we have a supportive family, we have a safety net, right? Beyond ourselves and savings, we have. You know, I can understand at 22 if you don't come from the background that we come from, yeah. or but then know, without that privilege that we have when I look at people who genuinely came from nothing yeah I can look at those people and know that if they can do it I can do it Mm -hmm. because I'm watching them be okay and I know I'm going to be okay yeah so even if you don't come from a place of privilege looking at the people in your life or just reading stories or whatever yeah. or looking at people around you and knowing that they did it so that you can do it. Yeah. And that's hard, but well it is and I think there's this thing as a culture that we have is toxic positivity. Mhm. <laughs> I think I told I don't know when so after I hit my head, everybody was telling me and I got and don't get me wrong, the support that from our of community course, yeah. was through the roof, but I got a lot of like keep your head up. Yeah. Be positive. Yeah. And it got to a point of being like, I am in so much pain. I don't know what my life is going to be like. I still don't know how I'm going to heal. Where it was, it felt condescending and preachy. Yeah. And especially me as a, how old was I, 12, 13? Yeah. Was much angrier than I am now. Right. So like, it got to a point where it was too much. Yeah. And then I got from one of my mom's friends a card and she included this beautiful rock paperweight in the shape of yeah. a heart that I still have in my desk. Yeah. She had gone through something, I think, a death in the family. And yeah. everybody was telling her to be positive and she'll be okay and all this shit. And she didn't feel better until she got furious at the situation and allowed her to allowed herself to feel that pain as deep as she needed to feel it yeah and be pissed off and be negative yeah and do that get over it and then be positive because you're not gonna you can't just you can't just be positive and positive and positive without processing yeah and i think net the the emotions that we perceive as negative as like grief as like anger as fear as i think a lot of people want to push those away because they yeah. don't make you feel good. Yeah. But I think being able to like sit in those emotions mm-hmm. is really important and to be able to experience those emotions and yeah. not just like push them down 
and be like, yep, it's going to get better. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's fine. Or don't let it get you down or whatever. That's the difference between people with good habits and people with bad habits. Yes. Is people with good habits have found ways to cope in healthy, Mm -hmm. in a healthy way. So like people, I mean, one of my best friends, she, whenever she's feeling really stressed out, she just goes on a run and sometimes Mm -hmm. she'll go on long runs a few times Mm -hmm. a day. And it can, I'm like, are you good, babes? Like, you've been running a lot. Yeah. Or you yeah. take care of yourself. And But that's better than not eating or right. doing drugs yeah. or getting drunk or high a lot, you know? So, like, being able to have healthy coping mm-hmm. mechanisms versus and experiencing that pain through right. those instead of shoving it down and then you turn to that bad shit because it makes you forget about it temporarily. Right. And everybody I know that is an addict or used to be an addict got to a point where they were trying to hide things that they hadn't processed. Mm-hmm. And that's where the addiction came from. Yeah. Well, I mean, addiction is absolutely a disease, but I think addiction and substance abuse is a symptom yeah. of other things yeah. too. Are you familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs? That's what me and Ron talked about on the yeah. last episode. So, okay, yeah. so like, <laughs> so I funny. love Maslow's hierarchy of needs because yeah. it's just a really good way. Like, if you don't have stable housing and stable, like, um, like if you have food insecurity or like you don't have access to clean clothes, like all of these basic needs, then you don't have the ability to f- to form healthy coping mechanisms. You don't have the ability to foresee that in a week. Things might so, be different. Yeah, so we talked about this a lot. I mean, that that's a whole episode, but the the interesting part of that too, and the more modern hierarchy, because mm-hmm. it was developed by a man in the '60s who yeah. studied highly educated white men. Yeah, but it's not necessary. Like, you don't necessarily need your physiological needs met to have like love and belonging. You mm-hmm. know, so like if we're looking at countries where there's a large population of very poor people, Mm -hmm. they still have families that make them feel loved and they feel, you know, they feel like they belong and they can still have self-esteem. And then also the expanded version, which is also cognitive needs, aesthetic needs, and then transcendence, which is things beyond you. So Mm -hmm. nature, sex, religion, spirituality, all those things that, I mean, that one would be the most important for me is the experiences you have with other people. Sure. And I think when you don't even necessarily have a community, Mm -hmm. you know, like I think about like this country fails children that age out of the foster care system all the time because where do you go? Where do you go? You don't like having a community is a privilege. Like Mm -hmm. when I look at like our family and then when I just look at like my immediate family, the amount of friends my parents have, the amount of connection we have in our community, like, that's not normal. A lot of people don't have yeah, that. Yeah, it's one of the, I mean, like, education, it shouldn't be a privilege, but the state of our world right now, it is to have it. Yeah, yeah. My mom, one of her good friends, was a high school principal, mm-hmm. and she, like, was really good with resumes, and because she looked at them all the time, right? Yeah. And so she was able to look over my resumes anytime I would switch it for like a job interview or when I was applying for jobs she looked over my grad school application stuff because she was directly involved with helping she was in high school and so like just to have that person yeah like kind of pretty much readily available to me yeah or to have you Mm -hmm. as a realtor readily available to me 
to have so much yeah. like readily available yeah. and it's that in and of itself is privilege and I think part of the community you were talking about that's a safety net yeah. like I oh, have yeah. a strong social safety net and when people don't have that I think the thought of like next week next month next year it being better is really hard for them to have mm-hmm. that mindset and also really hard to like have the space like healthy coping mechanisms kind of take work yeah. right like so like that's probably why they're like taking a hit of whatever or using alcohol or doing whatever they can to just like literally survive. Mm-hmm. Like nobody's like getting high every day just for the hell just of for it. the hell of it. Yeah. Like you're just trying to yeah to not hurt all the time. Right. I think is the and gist. you'll do whatever you can mm-hmm. to take that away and that's yeah. what it does okay next one do you have any regret regrets from when you were 22 like big ones hmm. i mean i probably shouldn't have drank as much alcohol as i was drinking <laughs> yeah. i wouldn't say i regret that but like definitely like drank a lot when i was in grad school i don't know if it's just like a regret but i think i look back and like I could have trusted myself more in all areas of my life because, and like my intuition and just like my gut and like all of that. Like I think humans have strong intuition and women, especially women that are just like emotionally connected and like reflective and have insight on themselves. Like you have intuition and like trusting that. And again, just like speaking my mind more like I don't know that it's like regret regret but I mm-hmm. wish I think I just wish I had been able to do that more yeah. I think um, I think everybody wishes they had learned something sooner yeah you know absolutely but that's what I'm doing right I'm talking to people who have grown up a little bit more than me so yeah. I can just gather all the information I also, <laughs> I, actually I'll tell you one thing I regret I did not get a credit card until I got out of grad school mm-hmm. Excuse me. And I went a little crazy with it. Despite everything, like, my parents are divorced. So, like, I have four, like, two step-parents, two parents. Despite everything they all told me. Yeah. But, like... I think that is almost unavoidable at this point. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't think... I, don't, I haven't met many people who didn't do that. Didn't destroy their credit just a little bit. Yeah. And I would say, like... I guess I would say it was bad in my worldview, but, like, people also had it a lot worse. Yeah. Um, And it's very quickly to get out of control. And I think it was this desire of, like, keeping up with my friends, right? Like, I got out of college. I didn't necessarily have – I mean, I was making $46,000 a year at my first job, Mm -hmm. like, with a master's degree. Yeah. And college isn't everything, and you can have a ton of skill. I mean, like, James didn't go to college, and – he self-taught everything, and he made a ton of money. I will never catch him. And he's very, very good at his job. And he didn't need an education for that, or a formal education. Right. Um, he's actually probably the smartest person I know. So, like, <laughs> you really don't need education um, in a formalized, like, post-primary, secondary, whatever, yeah. you know, institution. But, yeah, like, not feeling like I needed to keep up with everyone. Mm-hmm. Spending money also just, like, makes me... Like, I like things. Me too. I like... I love, like, opening a new, like, lip gloss or, like, a new, like, pack of pens or, like, any of that. Like, it just Just, gives me a little joy. You know what it is? Yeah. It's the gatherer instincts. And it's a little hit of dopamine. (laughs) Like, it's literally, like, a little hit of dopamine. Yeah. And that's, like, actually, like, 
like really a thing with ADHD too yeah. is like those hits of dopamine but yeah. um so I think that just just not necessarily feeling like I could not just spending because I could and it felt like no one has control over me and my money anymore mm-hmm. um not that they had control over it but you know like I felt like I was sort of taught to like fear a credit card and like in some way that was like my act of rebellion um because like I didn't really like I mean I've never even smoked pot I think I've taken like like I was not like pushing boundaries with like alcohol or substances or things like that um I didn't really like skip school or like get in trouble like I was not like Mm -hmm. the kid in high school that like any teacher was like worried about so to speak yeah I think if I had to do one thing like I would not have used my credit card the way that I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Learn before I did. Okay, so I think we'll close it off with this question. I mean, we could talk about this for another 20 minutes, honestly. <laughs> you watched me grow up for the most part. Yeah. Being my cousin and my friend, what's a piece of advice that I really need to hear? Just one. <laughs> Girl, you're a fucking mess. <laughs> no, we could be here for hours. I think, yeah, yeah. Just one. You got to choose. I can't take any more than one. Well, I don't even know. It's you because I, like, love you and care about you, but I think it could apply to, like, to everybody. Mm -hmm. I don't need to hear anything. I'm perfect. You are perfect. You're so wise. (laughs) I should be learning from you. Um, Don't be afraid to assert yourself in jobs, with your friends, in situations that just don't feel good to you. Like, I wish I had asserted myself more kind of across the board yeah and that you might be young but you definitely still have something to bring to the table Mm -hmm. um I've been the youngest one of the youngest if not the youngest in all of my jobs and internships and I think that that can feel very intimidating yeah I've I've enjoyed being the youngest yeah in my field yeah. And I literally am at yeah. Redwood, the youngest yeah. across the board. Thinking, I originally thought that I would have nothing to bring to the table, but then seeing the way that people who are older than me, their thought processes are very different than mine. Yeah. And being able to find that balance has been really cool because I feel like I teach my coworkers a lot and mm-hmm. I learn from them a lot too. Yeah. But I'm keeping them young in a lot of ways. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think and that's really important. And you didn't get to the table by accident you earned your seat at the table yeah and I think I'm just now truly starting to believe Mm -hmm. that I earned my seat to the table I bring value to other people at my job I work on a multidisciplinary team I learn stuff from them but they learn stuff from me yeah and so like just that confidence in yourself that like that imposter syndrome I got like they're gonna figure me out and I'm gonna lose everything that's not gonna happen like yeah you earned a space at your table and your voice is valuable. Mm-hmm. If I you think... were perceived in a way that people didn't like, then you wouldn't be where you are right now. Right. Yeah. 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 Like for myself, like I was just like, oh, I was good at school, but I was not going to be good at like the real world stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you are. And it's fine. Yeah. I thought what you were going to tell me was um, taking on other people's shit as your own responsibility. Yeah. 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 I feel like you're good that, with that though. You are, in terms of families, like my family and like friendships, Yeah, I am less good at that. Yeah. Strangers, 
I mean, I, I would help anybody on the street, you know, but yeah. like somebody is not, if, if somebody is, ugh, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. that's a whole nother fucking conversation, well, but like, you know. Yeah. And I think boundaries, Yeah, like that's good boundaries and being able to set those in all areas of your life. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if a client's calling you at 10 o'clock Unless it's like... Oh, I already have that boundary. Yeah. Down to the wire or like something's going to fall through, don't answer the phone. And there are boundaries that I don't necessarily need right now, but will in the future. You know, like because of how I need business right now, I will take those 10 o'clock calls if I... Because I'm also the type of person and I'm working on this where... If something is in front of me, I have to get it done right then yeah. or I'm going to be stressed about it right. until it's finished. And I used right. to not be like that. I used to be a huge procrastinator, but then yeah. I would just sit in my anxiety and I'm not Sometimes I like do my best work when I'm procrastinated and down to the wire, but yeah. I also do really, I mean... I just can't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I think... I don't know if this is a piece of advice, but like... And I would say this to anyone, so it's not like you or like a vibe you give, but you think you know it all now and you just have no idea. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that to be condescending or like belittling or anything like that because I think you're incredibly intelligent and I think you have accomplished so much. But like, I thought I knew it all at 22, 23, 24, 25. I can tell you right now, I don't think I. Okay, that's good. Because. Because I love looking back, even in short amounts of time, like six months ago, like yeah. a year ago, like two years ago, and being like, I'm so much smarter than I was then, yeah, and so much more empathetic and so different that like I'm so excited to see what I'm going to be like in two years from now. Yeah, you know? yeah, and you will change, I think, year to year, and I mean, even like looking back over multiple years, as you kind of go along it was very hard for me to like imagine and trust that at 30 I would feel different about myself I would feel different about just how I approach things what I deserved all of that Mm -hmm. and so I think you think your 20s are good your 30s are really fucking oh, good. Oh, I talk with Kat and Alma about that all the time. Your 30s We're so are like excited to be really really fucking good. Yeah because like we've got the base down mm-hmm. We've learned, I think, the majority of the big stuff. Yeah, I think. I mean, before you have kids. Yeah. And then you're just 30 and you have some money and you're just chilling. And, oh, I'm so excited to be in my 30s. And you're going to have life experience. You're going to trust yourself. I mean, I also tolerate way less bullshit now Mm -hmm. than I did in my 20s. And, like, this is, like, kind of, like, a benign example. But, like, with customer service stuff, like... I mean, sometimes I wouldn't say anything and it would, like, cost me money or it would cost me, like, it's just wrong. Yeah. And now I'm like, da-da-da-da, this happened and what are you going to do for me? Like, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. cell phone companies are, like, notorious for, like, you know, screwing you over. Um, James says I have a justice boner because I always <laughs> make sure that people are being held accountable and, like, doing the right thing. Right. And I do. Like, I want the world to be this fair and just place. It's right. Um, but it's not. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, like, a thing. Um, should I write that? Mm. This is a professional podcast, Riley. No, it's not. <laughs> that's the thing is, like, like some episodes are going to be very professional. Yeah. Other episodes are going to be a chaotic shit show. And that's Kind of like this. Yeah. I mean, but, like, I think the the... 
if I'm talking to someone who is a genuine like like businessy type, yeah, salesy type, which is fine because I'm I'm going to, and I love a lot of people like that, but. As long as everybody's being, like, genuine and not trying to be something else, yeah. I think every conversation is going to... I mean, there's going to be something for everybody here, so... Like, I think, like, after you do a couple of episodes, and it may even be six months or a year, like, if, like, your sort of overarching theme is going to shift. Like, I feel like this could... Like, I like your theme, and I don't think it needs to change, but, like, I feel like this is, like, a very organic thing that's happening. Yeah. And so, like, I just wonder if you'll see themes that come out of each episode or if it will just continue. Well, I think, I mean, the whole point of my overall theme was be that I chose was because it's so broad. And I and like because that. Because everything can fall into it. And because it's growing up while growing a business, yeah. new things are going to be coming into that all the time. Yeah. So, And I think it's um, going to be cool for you to interview people at different ages. Yeah. I mean, it all overlaps, and, like, I think the other thing is, like, giving people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Not forever, because, yeah. like, some people don't deserve that, but, like, I mean, to it kind of goes back to me to, like, we're all just walking each other home. Like, mm-hmm. I am notorious. My friends, like, will laugh at me because, like, I will give money. If someone on a street <laughs> or, like, I've been approached, like, at the gas station, like, can we have money for gas? We just need to get here. Yeah. And I give it to them, and I'm, like, maybe I'm being duped or maybe they're have bad intentions none of my but business that's between, <laughs> that's between them and their god or right. their higher power yeah. or whatever me and my god know that i gave that with good intentions right. and care and i think that goes back into like my justice boner is like i just believe that everyone has dignity mm-hmm. and like everyone deserves to have dignity and the my favorite oh my gosh i've been having so many similar conversations the past week but yeah with my friends and you and and my coworkers and stuff, but nothing. This is one of my favorite sayings. Nothing bad can come from something good, or like yeah. nothing bad can come from good intentions. Yeah. So like, if you are giving somebody money and they're gonna go spend it on drugs or whatever, I mean that sucks. But who am I to judge what makes right? If that is the only bright spot in their day, is to like. Like, I don't like that that's it, and I I don't want them to do that, but, like, why do I get to decide what someone else needs to do to feel good? Like, if you're going to take my money and go buy a pack of beer, and you're a homeless person, like, $10 isn't going to change your life. Go buy a pack of beer if that's that's what you want. (laughs) It's sometimes when we have cash, I have this thing where, like, I'll just hand out money to, like, anyone we see on, like, a corner, like, because, you know, like, we're in the suburbs, so if we're going to see someone, like, asking for money, or, like, sometimes it's in a parking lot, like, one time this guy was playing violin, and he had his, like, Venmo up, and, like, you know, money bucket or whatever, and he was playing the song I walked down to the aisle to on the violin, and, like, we were leaving the parking lot, and I said, stop, go back, and for some reason I had, like, a bunch of 20s, and I'm just, like... (laughs) James, go give him this. And he's yeah. like, $20? And I'm like, yes, just do it. Like, if I was rich, I would just love to go oh, hand out yeah. cash to people. Like, yes. I mean, $20 is, like, not a lot no, of money. But, but like, or, it's... Or, like, the, I'm going grocery shopping, what do you want? Yes. You know, yeah. like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or, there's, what's the the guy, I th- he's a TikToker, and he's probably on YouTube, but he it's like Jimmy something. apartments. Oh, no. There's, maybe there's a woman, but she, there's one specific... 
um, woman that she would talk to and she would bring her food every day. Yeah. And then she started bringing her, like, clothing and, um, like, like toiletries and stuff like yeah. that. And then her TikTok, like, blew up to the point where she could actually afford to buy her a condo. Yeah. So she bought this woman, this homeless person, a condo. And she, I mean, obviously isn't homeless anymore. Yeah. And she's doing really well. Yeah. And, like, ugh. I know. It's, you know... It makes me feel good to help other people. It makes me feel good when we saw a homeless veteran on the side of the road and we gave him $20 and he looked at it and he looked at us and like, are you sure? And we were like, Mm -hmm. yeah. And like it made his day. And I'm like, what must it be like to be in a position where being handed $20 literally makes your day? Yeah. Because that means you're going to be able to get whatever you want. Whatever you like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) or you're going to be able to like use it to you know whatever like maybe you need a taxi ride to the bus station or something like but I don't feel like doing these things makes me a good person or a better person than people that don't do it yeah I think it really goes back to decency dignity of a person which is a core value of social work and I also think that relationships are everything human connection is everything Mm -hmm. with the infant mental health work that I do it's not work on the parent or work on the child it's work on that relationship and my relationship with my clients and there's research on this Mm -hmm. like even in therapy like relationships are the catalyst for change and so I think the way that I approached relationships and I approached like you know all those things like I think just human connection is just, like, the best thing. Yeah. And that is, like, I think how I try to live my life. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's my job and everything else that I enjoy about life. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's definitely people I don't want to have connection with. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) But, like, you know, I don't know. But, yeah, if we were rich, I mean, we play this game. If we won, like a billion dollars or 500 million or a million whatever and it's like James's philosophy and I really like this is like a third we get to keep and do whatever we want with like here in the present moment yeah a third we're just gonna like put away save and invest we probably invest the money we'd be spending in the present moment too because you can't spend it all at once you know but and then a third we'd give away to our family and charities Mm -hmm. and like whatever I would do good things with money if I had it like Mm -hmm. so give, give me like the universe give me the lottery but it's like so fun to do that because like and yeah like part of it is like it makes you feel good too right but but it also makes someone else feel good so like we were in savannah and i saw this homeless man there was tourists all around it was on like the main square this homeless man was eating pizza out of the trash can outside and there's restaurants all over and it made me like so fucking irate because like why how are all of these people ignoring you Mm -hmm. When there's, like, pizza right there, a pizza place right there, there's an ice cream place here, there's an Italian place, you know. Have you heard the song Last of My Kind by Jason Isbell? Mm-mm. You need to listen to okay. it on my home. Okay. I will. You'll have to text me the name so I don't forget. Okay. But anyways. I think that was wrapping it up. Uh, yeah, I think I so. was right. We did talk for another 20 minutes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. This was lovely, and I know that you're going to be back yeah choice really of course I think it was fun you know this is just our vibe yeah the only thing we're missing is a margarita oh next time we can do margaritas yeah for sure I actually did 
and I want to do this where we have a beer or cocktail on yeah. every episode. And I had a beer with Ron, and but then it was Kat's birthday a couple days ago, so yeah. I'm all alcoholed out for the moment. But yes, the yes. next one will have some cute little marks. Yeah. Thanks cool. for uh, having me. Of course. And thinking of me. Of course. Thank you for coming down. Of course. Well, you all can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Riley.bloomer, R-I-L-E-Y dot B-L-O-O-M-E-R. And I would love to hear your feedback on this podcast. Um, you can message me on my social media or you can email me at thebirdhouse2023 at gmail.com. All right. See you next time.